0: Chapter 24 of the first book of Samuel. Now, chapter 24 is parallel to chapter 26. Actually, to be more precise about it, the middle of chapter 23 and chapter 24 are parallel to chapter 26. The middle of 23, I refer to chapter 23, verse number 19, by Yaluzi Fimo Shaul, Hagivato Leymar. The Ziphites, or some Ziphites, went to Saul and Giva and said, David is hiding among us in the strongholds of Choresh at the hill of Chachira, south of Yeshimon. And Saul's response was to the Ziphites, the Ziphim, Saul said, Blessed are you to God, You had uh, compassion for me. It's a pathetic response of the king of Israel. But that's how that story begins, and he searches for David. That's the middle of chapter 23, and the story will continue in 24. Chapter 26 begins, chapter 26, verse number 1, It's an identical verse. So once again, the Ziphites come to Sha'ul, so 24 and 26 are parallel chapters. That's not to say they're identical, they're not identical, but they are parallel. Now, one of the functions of parallel chapters, which are two chapters apart, 24 and 26, is that it highlights what's in between them, which is chapter 25, a very important chapter. Let us concentrate now on our chapter, which is chapter 24. Once again, a well-known story. Saul is pursuing David, and David is hiding in the, uh, the wilderness of Ein Gedi. And Saul is told, he named David bar Gedi, that David is in the Ein Gedi wilderness, the desert. So Shaul, in verse 3 of chapter 24, takes 3,000 men. Saul takes with him 3,000 men. Remember, the number 3,000 we encountered earlier, that was the size of the standing army. That's mentioned in the context, chapter 13 of the war against the Philistines. Underscoring the fact that Saul's army, essentially, is engaged in pursuing of David. And obviously, if the army is engaged in the pursuit of David, they're not doing very much about fighting the true enemies of Israel. Saul pursues David, and we are told that Saul enters the cave. He has to use the bathroom, he would say, relieve himself, in verse number 4. David and his men were sitting in the back of the cave. So Saul's in a very vulnerable position, enters the cave, And David's men realize that Saul is there, by himself. Nobody's with him, obviously. And in verse number 5, So David's men say to him, perhaps they see it as a divine omen. He's all by himself in the cave. This must be the time. This is the opportunity you have to uh, get rid of the man who's pursuing you your enemy, that's the king of Israel. Do whatever you wish, which I presume means kill him. And David's response in verse number five David Shaul Balot. David went stealthily, secretly, quietly, and he cut off the corner of Saul's coat. In verse number six, but afterwards, Va'yachaveh David oto, ala Karat at Kanaf at Kanaf asheru David afterwards felt bad. Here the translation in JPS. Reproached himself. We have a similar expression in chapter in the last chapter, second book, chapter twenty four, after David takes the census, David oto. He feels contrite. He feels that he did something wrong. And here as well, he feels he did something wrong in that he cut the corner of Saul's coat. And David said to his people, David said, Far be it from me. Literally, it's all kinds of old. God forbid that I would do such a thing to my Lord the anointed of God, to harm him, for Mashiach Hashem, for in fact, he is the anointed of God. David rebuked his men. very interesting expression, means to tear. We say in English, he tore into his men. That's an expression we have in English. He very actively stopped his men from hurting Saul. He did not allow them to rise up and to kill Saul. V'sha'ol badech. Saul left the cave and he went on his path. And afterwards, David calls out to Saul. David calls out to Saul. David bows down to Saul and David says to Saul in verse 10, Lama teshmat adam why do you listen to people who say, David is out to harm you? You see for yourself that you were vulnerable in the cave. And I thought to kill you, but I had compassion upon you. I said, I said, I said, I'm not going to harm my Lord. He's the anointed of God. And then David then says to Saul, look at your coat. I tore the coat of, the corner of your coat. And you can see, I could have killed you. I didn't kill you. Understand that I have no intention to harm you. And you... Who chase after me, who try to entrap me, capture me, kill me. You are in the wrong. May God judge between us. That's the story, the famous story. Another question is, how do we interpret the story? I have a suggestion to make about this incident, and my suggestion is the following. The way it's often understood, I believe, is that it's a demonstration that David, in fact, does not intend to kill Saul. David refrains from killing Saul. His men say, this is your opportunity. And what David does is, instead of killing Saul, he cuts the corner of his coat. A symbolic act, but of course, he doesn't harm Saul. And that's what David explains later to Saul in the verses that we read. I could have harmed you, but I chose not to. However, in my view, A careful reading of the verses suggests something very different. David's men said, you have an opportunity to kill Saul. David secretly goes behind Saul, and he cuts off the corner of his coat. And in cutting the corner of the coat, the symbolic act of cutting the coat, which we have encountered earlier in this book, the torn coat represents the torn kingship. Whether that coat in chapter 15 was Saul's coat or Samuel's coat, is that relevant to the question here. And once David cuts the coat of Saul, Saul is no longer King Saul. You can't kill the king. But if the coat is torn, in effect, what David is saying through his actions, symbolically, he's not the king. And the moment he does that, Saul is fair game. Which is why in verse number 8, David has to actively prevent his men from harming Saul. Because what David has done by tearing the coat is in fact saying, he's not the king, you don't kill the king, but see, he's not king. He doesn't wear the cult. And in fact, we've seen, he's not really acting as king. But after David does this, David recognizes that this is wrong. That he has no right to make Saul fair game, but he has to figure out a way to undo what he's done. And his way to undo it is to invent a new concept. The new concept is Mashiach Hashem. Mashiach Hashem, the anointed of God, means he's been anointed, he's been consecrated. Whether or not he functions as king, he may not be king in a certain sense, but in the other sense, he's anointed as king. You can't harm the person who's anointed as king. David constructs this concept, and that prevents his men from killing Saul. What we have later then in the chapter is David's reinterpretation of what happened. But that's not actually what did happen. And I would add over here, that in the book of Samuel, we know that it's very hard to figure out, because the book doesn't want us to be able to figure out, for certain, David's motives. But it is striking, that when David speaks about not harming Mashiach Hashem, and preventing his men from harming Mashiach Hashem, we have to remember that the only other person who is Mashiach Hashem at this point, a political figure anointed by God, is David himself. And in fact, the parallel to Saul is a very precise one in the sense that David is not officially king. He hasn't assumed the throne. He hasn't been recognized by all of Israel. We know he was anointed privately. We know he is Mashiach Hashem in that sense. But one might say, That he's not actually the king of Israel yet. There is a king of Israel. So David himself is Mashiach Hashem. David's message to his men, you can't harm the one that God anointed then, has an additional self-serving purpose. It's a way of reminding his men about about David's own position vis-a-vis them. So this is chapter 24, and if this interpretation is correct, it speaks to David's ability to reinterpret We will come across this in other places in the book of Shmuel, where David is able, quite brilliantly, to reinterpret something that happened. But this chapter says a lot about David, and what it says additionally is, and reinforces the idea, David doesn't have the right to make himself king. David has to wait for God to choose David as king. God has anointed David as king, but David's time has not yet come.